Well, good morning, Spring House. You made it this morning. A few more cups of coffee in hand this morning, but we're here. And uh, a lot of smiles too this morning. Has God been good to you this morning? Yes, amen. I was thinking uh, during that song, one of the songs we were singing, um, that, uh, you know, there are just so many people going through extraordinary circumstances and challenges, and uh, some of us are, some of us are just contending with some, with some, with just some life and some things, and uh, I was just, I was just reminded of because of Jesus, we are able to choose, we are able to choose to trust and respond in the way that he would have us to respond in those situations. I often say, I don't know how people do life without the Lord. Uh, and uh, when we have Jesus in the center of our lives, whatever comes our way, we can stand sure on the rock uh, uh, that he is in our life. And, um, and we can respond in that way to, uh, to the situations uh, and, and circumstances that come. Is that true? Do you believe that? We cling to him. And, uh, and we choose that. It is a choice. It is a choice. He supernaturally gives us the ability to make the right one. Uh, amen. We, uh, we have an upcoming conference coming up April 1st through 4th. Uh, today uh, is uh, the day we'd like you to register, have registered by. So if you haven't registered, please go on the Church Center app and register, you and your family. Uh, this will give us an understanding of who to expect. Uh, and also there's a conference pack that we're putting together for those who register by today. Uh, and then also we're in the middle of the Lenten season. And so want to continue to encourage you. Maybe if you weren't here last week, I was just sharing that uh, maybe you're, maybe you have thought to fast or give up something and you missed it or you messed up or you uh, misstepped. You know, we serve the God of the do-over and the do-over and the do-over. Uh, you can continue. Start today. Start today. Ask the Lord to identify something. And why do we want to do this? Because we are making preparation in our hearts and our spirits for celebrating not just the death and the burial, but the resurrection of our King. And so we want to make room and, and, to, and to center in on that. The devotionals, the daily devotionals from our leadership are also available online uh, and on our app as, as well. Uh, and then finally, uh, my wife and I, on Friday, got to go see this guy, and uh, and he is uh, he is doing really really well. I know that we had reported to you a couple of months ago, uh, probably six weeks ago, that uh, Chris was just in he was not doing he was not in good shape. Uh, but Chris continues to be a testimony of God's faithfulness over and over and over. Miracle of miracles, this guy he is at home. Uh, he is laughing. Boy, he sucked down that strawberry shake so fast. We brought him on, on Friday. Uh, and I want you to know, Chris is watching us this morning, and uh, I told Chris that I was going to mention him, and I said that you all wanted to send him greetings and say hello. So there is a camera right here, and it is actually one of those panorama cameras, I guess, so it's got all of you in it. So would you guys just look at that camera and just say, good morning, Chris. Good morning, Chris. Chris, we love you. We think you're awesome, buddy, and we're so glad for what the Lord is doing in your body and your life. Amen. Amen. So Chris is with us. Isn't it great that we have the technology to be able to participate and be a part of what's going on, uh, even when we physically can't be? Amen. Uh, the challenge is when we can physically do it and we have no excuse, but we choose not to. Ooh. Y'all want to stand with me? Let's read. <laughs> let's, let's continue in our series in Matthew. 
Let's read together. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that your word brings life. I pray, Lord, that all the words that I have that are meaningless would fall away and not be remembered, but I pray, Lord, that the things that you have for us would remain and change our hearts. Let us be, let us be pliable today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Well, you got, to, uh, you got to spring forward and come to church so we could talk about persecution. How's it feel this morning? <laughs> How's it feel this morning? Well, we are, we are finishing up this, this introduction, this section of Jesus's uh, Sermon on the Mount. It's just the introduction. He's got a lot more to say. Uh, and, uh, but he is, he's finishing out this introductory part with this, uh, with this, with this uh, opportunity for blessing. And he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Do you know, I, there are so many things that I believe the world looks at Christians and they just scratch their head. What do you mean blessed are the persecuted? What do you mean blessed are, and also circumstances such I was mentioning before when you're going through a trial or a tribulation, yet you still seem to be able to tap into some conduit of joy and people of the world don't really understand. Where, shouldn't, you be, shouldn't you be down and out and discouraged, but not when you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? You don't have to, you do not have to respond in that way. Well, we all go through trials, do we not? We all go through uh, different, maybe let's say different forms or different, um, different levels of persecution. Uh, surely this morning, some of you did not want to get out of bed because you lost that hour of sleep and you felt persecuted, you know, getting up and getting your latte and coming to these cushy chairs and sitting in church this morning. Some of you who come to this church feel persecuted when you wear anything Alabama, especially if Justin Bashir's is in the room. I was persecuted this week by our executive pastor who in the middle of the week saw fit to send this picture to me as she was going through the archives. To which I responded, this is sin. But we are persecuted in all types of different ways, or we claim to be persecuted in different ways, but Jesus was not in this scripture talking about just any type of persecution. Jesus was talking about a very specific type of persecution. He says this, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because of righteousness. And as Pastor Ronnie communicated a few weeks ago, righteousness is not so much about what we do, but righteousness is a person. So blessed are those who are persecuted because of Jesus. Because of the Jesus who lives in our hearts. Because of the Jesus we claim as our Lord. You know, persecution is not a new thing. Persecution has been around for a very, very long time. And, and we could take time and uncover the various uh, 
periods of time where persecution took place, and I'm not going to do that, but probably one of, uh, probably the, the most recent egregious uh, uh, types of persecution, the example that we have, uh, that we have a touch point with because of how recent it was, it was the Holocaust. Millions of people died because of who they are and what they believe. And this is not to invalidate any of the types of suffering or persecution that you may feel like you've gone through in your journey with Christ because of Christ. But in most situations, most likely, any persecution or suffering that we've had to endure is a drop in a bucket compared to those around the world who have to fight for their lives just to gather in a setting like this. And so as we approach this topic, I want us to approach it in a sober mindset. And again, not to invalidate any persecution or suffering that any of us have gone through, but I do wonder sometimes what size our room would actually be if we had to contend for our lives to get here this morning. Not just have to make sure we set our clock ahead so we don't miss out on the latte on the way here with the cushioned chairs, right? There is a major difference in being persecuted and being spoiled. There is a major difference in persecution and I didn't get my way. There's a major difference in persecution and correction. There's a major difference in persecution and having to be right. The biblical definition of persecution is this, persecution to harass or punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, or afflict because of belief. This is the definition of a biblical persecution. And there have been people who have been persecuted because of their belief and their faith in Jesus Christ. And if it's, it stands to reason that if you are actually living a life that honors the Lord or recognizes the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, you probably have been likely been persecuted or have suffered because, because of him. There are essentially three things I want to cover today. And the first one uh, is uh, when it comes to persecution. And the first one is this. You don't have to look for persecution. It will find you. You do not have to look for persecution. It will find you. Allow me to dispel you of the notion that if you are not suffering of being persecuted every moment of every single day that you are doing something wrong. There's something in the Christian mindset at times where we adopt this mentality that, oh, I've just got to be living a life of just such suffering and, and persecution. And if, and if it's not happening to, to, happening to me, I need to go out and make it happen. I've got to go out and try to, try to find some type of persecution so I can just feel as if I'm really honoring Christ. When you go out looking for persecution, that's more about you than it is about him. That's more about you than it is 
about him. We have succumbed to the idea that we must be uh, in, engaged in persecution of some, uh, of some kind at, at all points of our Christian walk. You know, Jesus's main point here uh, in this particular verse that we're looking at, but also the entire Beatitudes, isn't actually how to be meek or how to be merciful or how to hunger and thirst for righteousness. He wasn't unpacking those things. And here he's not unpackaging necessarily persecution, though he says a little bit more about it. The operative word in the Beatitudes is blessed. Jesus is conveying a blessing. He's conveying that there is a new way of living your life. And if you will live your life in this way, there is a blessing attached to it. There is a blessing attached to it. And so essentially what he's saying is, if you are pure in spirit, if you are poor in spirit, you're blessed. If you mourn or grieve your sin, you're blessed. If you're meek, Hunger and thirst for righteousness, if you're merciful, if you're pure in heart, if you are a peacemaker, there are blessings attached to it. And what Jesus is also conveying here is that if you live a life that models these things, then it is very likely that you will also be persecuted. And what he says in that persecution is you don't have to worry, there's a blessing there too. There's a blessing when your life looks like this and that you and people insult you and, and persecute you for righteousness. You know, the uncanny thing about this list is while they are the Beatitudes, we do not have the strength or the ability to do any of this on our own. We need Jesus Christ and his supernatural power in our life to be able to do any of this. So essentially, all of this summed up is to say, blessed if you give your life to Jesus Christ. You are blessed. If he is the Lord of your life and you operate as such, you've not been called. We have not been called to persecution. You have been called to live a life like Christ. And when you live a life like Christ, persecution will find you. It will find you. We tend to feel as if we've got to pick a fight or pick a battle and go out and just and, 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 and war for the gospel. I'm going to say this again in a few moments, but the weapons of our warfare are not the same as the world's. The way we fight our battles, we do not fight in the same way that the world fights its battles. And so if your intent is to fight for the cause of the gospel using worldly tactics, I would challenge you that you do not belong to the kingdom of God, but you're pulling from tactics from the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of God, Jesus came. If you look at his life and what we learn about his life, Jesus is not running toward fights. He's actually issuing peace. He is conveying healing. He's conveying a new way of living. And when Jesus is confronted, when he's confronted and he has to stand for the truth, he doesn't back down. But Jesus was not looking for fight. In fact, many times when he was healing people, he would say to the person, don't go say, don't say anything to anybody about this. Was Jesus a coward? No. It wasn't his time. And so, remember last week I said, it's not your job to straighten people out. It's not our job to grab the sword and go and chop people's ear off and make sure they know the truth. Do you know the truth? Really? Because if you know my Jesus, he's not necessarily responding that way. Now, 
In this century, we may not respond with an actual sword, but boy, we sure do respond with Facebook. We sure do respond with Instagram. That is a double-edged sword, is it not? Right at our fingertips. Such a passive-aggressive way to announce to the world your insecurity and your need for Jesus to fill that hole. This is what 2 Timothy tells us. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you desire to live a godly life, you're gonna be persecuted. Aren't you glad you came today to hear the word of the Lord? You will be persecuted. If you desire to live a life, uh, uh, a godly life, you will be persecuted. Um, When I was a teenager, there was a store called Kmart. Anybody remember Kmart? Blue light special at Kmart, okay? Uh, and so I, would, uh, I, I drove my car up to Kmart, and I don't know why I was there getting this, but I went and got a 24 case of uh, Coca-Cola. You're waiting to see what I was going to say there, right? 24 pack of Coca-Cola. And uh, I went in to get the Coca-Cola, and I go and I grab the Coca-Cola, and I don't know, I guess I was distracted, but I walked right out of the store with it. Just walked right out of the store and got in my car. And when I got in the car and turned on my car, I said, I didn't pay for this. And so I got the case of Coca-Cola and I walked into the manager and I said, I am so sorry. I grabbed this case of Coca-Cola and I walked out without paying. And he said, you're an idiot. I would have just drove, driven away. And I said, no, no, no. I want to, I want to pay for this. And, and I paid for it. A few years ago, I was shopping at a, a clothing store that I like to shop at and I was checking out and, uh, and I had a pair of shoes within the, within the, things I was purchasing. And I got out to the car. I thought, man, my coupon really worked for me today. I mean, this is like a great deal. And I looked and I scanned my receipt and I looked at the bottom receipt. The shoes had not been uh, attached to the bill. And so I got out of my car and I took the shoes back in and I put them on the counter. And the young lady who was working there, I said, hey, listen, I, I, uh, I didn't pay for these shoes and I need, to, I need to pay for these. And she said, oh, no worries. Listen, I'll hook you up. Don't worry about it. Just go on out of here. And I said, no, I'm I'm a Christian and I really need to pay for these. And she said, oh, you're one of those. Okay, let me get my manager. And the whole exchange was extremely awkward as I paid for the boots and walked out. Here's the thing. I don't want to exchange my blessing for a can of Coke and a pair of shoes. I don't want to exchange my blessing for a can of Coke and a pair of shoes. The world looks different than the kingdom, and the kingdom looks different than the world. And we ought, in this world, to look like ambassadors for Christ. We ought to look like, sound like, smell like, taste like, everything about us should be like Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ does not look like the world because Hebrews 13 tells us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But guess what the world is? The world changes like the shifting wind. Every single day there's something new, a different desire, a different thing. And it all is a black empty hole that never gets satisfied. It changes and evolves all of the time, but Jesus is constant. He is always the same. And so part of the reason why we experience persecution is because we are also supposed to be consistent and stable like he is. And sometimes we invite persecution into our lives when we engage in stupid, unproductive conversations. And might I even suggest, friends, that sometimes those stupid, unproductive conversations happen between Christians, one and another. 
Do you know that it's actually harder to be Christ-like with other Christians than it is to be Christ-like in the world? Because when you are with other Christians and the bar is only set this high, everybody else gets to get away with everything above the bar. But if you're surrounded around darkness and you're the only light, you're, pretty good, you're at a pretty good standard. You're at a pretty good standard. This is what the word says about our conversations. Do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Some of us are just ramped up, ready to have a conversation with somebody so that we can disprove them and tell them that they are wrong. And the word instructs us to stay away from those foolish conversations, those foolish arguments. That's not persecution, that's stupidity. It's stupidity for you to engage in those unproductive conversations. Only engage in the conversations that Jesus tells you to that the Holy Spirit tells you to, that he invites you into. And most likely, just like I referenced last week, those conversations are gonna be something like those that walking around the walls of Jericho. It's not gonna look like anything you made up in your mind. You ever had an argument with somebody who wasn't there in your mind? You made up 50 different scenarios for how it was gonna go. When Jesus gets involved, doesn't go any of those 50 ways, does it? Anybody else mad at me? If you're mad at me, uh, see Barbie. Um, she told me a few weeks ago, you don't ever throw me under the bus as much as Ronnie does. That's changing. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> but for real, see Barbie. Um, just because you think you have something to say doesn't mean you're supposed to say it. Just because you think you have something to say doesn't mean you're supposed to say it. The world is always looking for a fight. The world is always looking for a fight. And here's the reason why. The world cannot stand the consistency and the stability of Jesus. The world cannot stand the consistency and the stability of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And in fact, the world hates Jesus and it hates you because of this. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And furthermore, he says this, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. That is why the world hates you. You, you are not of the world. You don't look like the world and the world desperately wants you to look like it. Not because it wants to put you on the pedestal. It might do that for a minute. But the world likes to see people crashing down. The world system likes to elevate you and then get you isolated and let you crash, crash down. And so why, why, why do we contend with persecution? What is, what is this about? I've got a little bit of an object lesson for you. You ever wonder what's underneath the sheet? Yeah, it's a firework. No, it might be one day. Some of us need to take the sheet off of Jesus in our lives. All right, so this is, uh, these are clay. These are different forms of, of clay. And Jesus here is very firm and secure. I can push on Jesus. I can pick him up, set him down. I can blow, blow on him. He doesn't change. He's the same. This represents the world and all its systems and all of its agendas, the world is constantly changing. 
If you're looking to find security in the world and its system, you're gonna find it for a day and then it's gonna change. It's always gonna fall through. It's always gonna let you down. But it's constantly moving, constantly in a gross way, growing, growing and growing and producing fear, doubt, discouragement. And this is our hearts. This represents our heart and our life. Our heart is also pliable, right? It's supposed to be. And what happens is we're given an invitation. Our heart and our life is given an invitation. And that invitation is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So we are to be conformed to his very image. This means that when people look at my life, they should not see me, but they should see him. And the reason that I can be conformed, my friends, is because he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You don't have to worry about him changes. His, his principles are always the same. You can trust what he says. And so we are conformed to his image. Now, if I left this here for quite some time, what would happen to this clay? It would harden. I want to submit to you today that as you are conformed in Jesus's image, the longer you allow yourself to be conformed to his image, the more secure and firm you will become. The more secure and firm, but it takes time. It takes time. And I want you to know that the minute you give your life to the Lord, you better bet you the world is after you. The minute you invite Jesus into your heart while you're still in that pliable, excited state because Jesus saved your life, you're still in that pliable state. And here you are as you have been conformed to his image and your heart looks like him. What happens is, is the world comes along and reminds you of who you used to be remind you of what you might be losing out on by following Jesus. And what we do with this identity of Jesus is we say, maybe I can have the best of both worlds. And so we take our heart and our identity and we put it on the world and we go with the mission of saying, I'm gonna turn this world to Jesus. And what happens is the world begins to take over us. And all of a sudden, we are Christian. We've, we've, got, we've got our salvation. It was, it, we, we, we asked Jesus in our heart. But all of a sudden, there's no distinguishing between us and the world because the world's fingerprints are all over us. I got the T-shirt, says I'm a Christian, but I don't act like it. The compromises start being made. And then we come upon a verse like we're dealing with today and we wonder, why are we not being persecuted? It's because you don't have anything to be persecuted going on in your life. We are called, we are called to be firm, steady, consistent in our faith. We don't waver as Christians. When the culture changes, we don't change. When the culture lies, we know the truth. Your salvation was free, but let me tell you something, it was not cheap. And be, even though your salvation was free, following Jesus is going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you every bit of the stock that you have placed in the world. Here's the thing. The world 
The world is not exclusive of Christians. Listen to me. The world does not say, ah, you're a Christian, get out of here. Here's the problem with the world. The world is inclusive of everybody. The world says, come on, you believe in Jesus Christ? Come on, that's no problem, but you just don't infringe on my belief. You believe in Jesus Christ, that's not a problem. Just as long as you let me do my thing, you do your thing, come on, come one, come one, come all. But here's the thing. The Bible that we say we believe doesn't say that Jesus is a way. It says Jesus is the way. Doesn't say Jesus is a truth. It says Jesus is the truth. It doesn't say Jesus is a life. It says Jesus is the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. The only way to the Father is through him. The Bible tells us Jesus says, narrow is the road and few will find it. When you get on that narrow road, you understand exactly how broad that is. There's a verse that I love in the book of Psalms that says, the boundaries of my life have fallen in pleasant places. See, the world knows no boundaries. The world looks at this and says, oh, you can be anything you want to be. You can do anything that you want to do. As long as it feels good, looks good, tastes good, you continue to do it. And you can even wear your Christian t-shirt while you do it. But the Lord Jesus Christ invites you to let go of the kingdom of the world and embrace the kingdom of God. He has some, he has some things that when they are saying these things about you, when they are persecuting you with their words and calling you every name, guess what? You can stand on the promise that he has a greater name for you. When they are denying you everything that you're supposed to have, you can bet on, you can know, you can stand assured that in the kingdom, great is your reward. When they try to steal your peace, you know that they can't steal something that they can't give. Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Who is the Lord of your life? Who is the Lord? Who is in charge of making the decisions of your life? Guys, if you're not enduring any type of persecution or suffering as you walk in this life, I beg, I, I beg to ask the question, does your life look any different than the world? Does your life look any different than the world? And if it doesn't look any different than the world, then what are you doing? Might I invite you to wake up this morning? Might I invite you to understand that God has a higher purpose and a calling? Might we actually believe that our time in this world is only this long and that we have an eternity ahead of us where all persecution is gonna go away. All suffering is gonna go away because we're going to be with our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we believe this, my friends, then we can endure suffering for a moment. We can endure the persecution that comes with this lifetime because he says great is the reward. Romans tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So many of us are trying to find God. I want to do what you want me to do, but I don't want to let go of the things that I like. And God is saying, when you let go of this, I will tell you for sure what you're supposed to do here. And we get confused. But guys, your life should not look like the world's. It should not. Somebody said to me once, well, Jesus would go hang out with those sinners. Yeah, I do believe. Listen, Jesus hangs out with me and I'm a sinner, okay? Jesus hangs out with sinners, but here's the deal. Jesus never condoned the sin. 
And sometimes we use the phrase Jesus hung with sinners to be able to go in and condone the sin, not just for them, but for ourselves. Jesus never asked you to to succumb to their level. He calls you to rise up and trust him with the answers. Trust him with the antidote. Trust him with your life. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. It's not in this world. And lastly, I want us to understand that your response to persecution will reveal the kingdom to which you belong. When you are persecuted and you are suffering for the Lord, your response to that persecution will reveal the kingdom to which you belong. I said this earlier, but the weapons of our warfare are not the same as the world's. The tactics in the world are not used in the kingdom. I was just talking to Jeremy Jones at breakfast this past week, and he was telling me about a situation uh, in the past where he was at a work, a work dinner, and Jeremy is a believer. And, you know, the guy who was there that kind of, he's, he's got a be in relationship with and, and get some of the jobs done, he was getting wasted. And Jeremy was choosing not to drink. And, uh, and the guy kind of came up to him and said, man, I don't even know if I really should trust you because you're not doing this. You ever been put on the spot, tested? And Jeremy was able to withstand that test and that persecution. Now, I'm gonna tell you right now, Jeremy Jones is a blessed man. He is a blessed man. Blessed are those who are persecuted for his name, for his sake. The greatest, most powerful weapon that we have in our arsenal, people, is love. The greatest, most powerful weapon that we have been given. If you're going to go fight the gospel with anything, go out there and fight it with love. And you cannot operate in love on your own. You need the power of Jesus Christ in your life. You need the power of the redemptive work. When he has saved you from some things, when he's done a change in your life, when you're walking with the Holy Spirit and you're engaged in, into that person that does not deserve to be forgiven, in that situation that doesn't deserve to have mercy, in that situation where everything deserves to be taken away, God gives you the power to love unconditionally, supernaturally in that situation and to have eyes with that person like the Lord has eyes with that person, like the Lord had eyes with you and has with you in your life, in your life. Some of you, I want to talk to, there's a demographic of you and my wife is in this demographic. I want to talk to you for just a second. And these, I want to call these people, this is, I'm I'm saying this in a good context, spiritually stubborn people. These are people who the Lord has convicted you of some things and you have drawn a line and it does not matter, Christian or foe or whatever, you are not going to cross that line no matter what, it doesn't matter. I want to talk to you, uh, you all, especially if you're in a household living with other Christians and you have been challenged. You have been challenged because even other Christians look at you and say, it's not a big deal. The Bible says you can do it. Jesus didn't. Jesus did this. Jesus did that or whatever. I want to encourage you to continue to fight the good fight. Continue to stand firm because blessings are coming your way because you're doing exactly what God has asked you to do. Now, I will tell you, if you are standing 
standing firm on that line, the Bible's very clear that you should not be manipulating or tearing anybody down by not carrying that same conviction as you. But for the rest of us who are contending with that, the Bible says we're supposed to be all things to all people. I'll tell you this, uh, this past week, Sherry was telling me, listen, I feel like I need to, I need to stop watching so much TV. I need to kind of get that out of my, out of my psyche right now. I'm hearing things and it's just not setting well with my soul. And guess what? I didn't like it because I like to watch TV. I like to watch TV. And I could have complained, I could have been upset about it, I could have said, well, just go sleep on the couch in the other room, which she offered to do because that's how wonderful my wife is. But no, no, I wanna serve my wife and I wanna help further her conviction because why, I love her, I love her. How are we treating one another when we are convicted about certain things? Are we trying to bring people down to our level of immaturity? Or are we allowing them to pull us up in levels of spiritual maturity that we need? Jesus tells us what to do with our enemies. He says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute them. When's the last time you prayed for the person who's persecuting you? And I'm not talking about those prayers that say, Lord, take their head off. Lord, let their car get in an accident. Lord, take them off the side of the road, get them off the face of the planet. I have prayed those prayers about people. And you know what the Lord does? He changes my heart. And he says, Kevin, you deserve to be in that car in that ditch. You're the one that deserves to have your head rolling. And he changes my heart and gives me a supernatural ability to look at the person with different eyes. Romans 12 tells us this, bless those who persecute you. Bless Bless and do not curse. Not only are we to love and pray for our enemies, those who persecute us, but we're supposed to bless them. What does that look like, Christian? That looks different than the world. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you cross somebody off in the world, they're not going to come and love and bless you. They're going to bless you out. But they're not going to bless you, right? And more than that, when you are enduring persecution, this is what Jesus says. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven when you rejoice and you are glad for the persecution and suffering that you endure. Guys, in the end, it's not about how persecuted you were. It's about how much you looked like Christ, how much you looked like Jesus and here's the promise that we have because we contend with trials. Anybody had trouble this week? Who's had trouble this week? The rest of you just asleep most of the week? What's, what's going on? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Aren't you glad that you serve a savior, a Jesus who has overcome the world? You don't have to worry about fighting this battle on your own. Jesus doesn't want you to. Jesus says, I have the victory and your eternity is secure in me. So walk these streets of this world as somebody who's living here but does not belong to this place. And let everyone experience my love in an exceptional, extraordinary way, in a way that they don't understand, in a way that is so infectious that they want to come and join the kingdom too. Amen? Amen. Amen.
Worship team, you can come out. I, um, I know that uh, this might be hard to believe, but I was not as awesome as I am now in high school. Um, I, uh, I, wasn't, I, I was popular in high school. Um, I was popular, though, as a person who could be manipulated to give people what they wanted. I didn't have friends. Had a bunch of acquaintances. Didn't have really any friends. Didn't even know how to do friendship. I was trying to be everything for everybody. And the reason I was trying to be everything for everybody, guys, is because Jesus actually got a hold of my heart as a kid. And in my high school, in order for you to be popular, in order for you to have friends, you had to decide to do some things that were not in keeping with God's word. But the problem was, is I had a, a big hole inside my heart, just like everybody else, that needed to be filled. So it was being filled with, hey, can you uh, get me out of class for this? Yeah, I'll get you out of class. Can you change my grade? Can you believe I changed somebody's grade in the office? Oh gosh, I feel so bad. So why nobody gets away with anything at my school. I want it to be liked. I wanted this hole to be filled. And the crazy thing is, is Jesus was right there to fill it. I just didn't tap on his shoulder. But man, I was made fun of because do you know that hurt people hurt people? I was, I was made fun of. I was put down. I was really like a doormat. And I mean, I was called every single name in the book. And I just couldn't take a, the right step. I, if I turn left, I'm supposed to go right. All of these things. And... And man, I just became so callous to people in relationships. No, just no trust because I was just so, so put down. But I had Jesus. And so when I was in my mid-20s, I, was at, I would find myself at a place called The Foundry. And it was in Nashville. And we were, uh, we were in this worship night. And uh, it was a Friday night. And the worship night went to like 1 or 2 in the morning. And some of the friends that I had here at church were there. And we were worshiping. And um, it's like 1 in the morning. There's probably like 30 people in the room. And we were just all in, just worshiping, just camping out in songs and stuff. And this big football player guy comes up behind me and gives me a big bear hug from the back. And it was right after I was just crying out to the Lord saying, Lord, could you heal the places in my life where I'm hurt? Could you heal the places in my life where I'm wounded? Those deep places that I haven't been able to quite unearth. And this guy's back there and he's just got a bear, bear hug on me and the song ended and I turn around and totally expected that to be the entire encounter. But when I looked at him, his eyes, he's just filled with tears and they were just streaming down his face. And he said, you're Kevin O'Day, right? I was like, yeah, I am. He said, man, you probably don't remember me, but I was on the football team at LHS and I remember you in high school. And I want you to know that I so hurt you in high school in indescribable ways. I made fun of you. And not only did I make fun of you, not only did I talk bad about you, but I got everybody else in on it as well. And here we are at this worship concert and Jesus has gotten hold of my life. 
And I believe that I'm here because I'm supposed to ask you to forgive me. And do you know that because of the power of Jesus Christ, I was able to have a little bit of that hole in my life filled because of him. And that guy was able to receive forgiveness. And we were both able to walk away liberated because of this king. Don't you know that that's the way supernaturally God works things out? When you are persecuted and people come against you and they hurt you and they step on you, God has a master plan designed to heal all things. He makes all things brand spanking new. And he wants to make things new in your life if you'll just let him. Stand firm on Jesus Christ. Stand firm on the foundation of him. You don't have to succumb to what the world does. You don't have to, you don't have to self-medicate to fill that hole. You don't have to to, to go into the world's direction to fill that hole, even when they're coming after you and saying this is the only thing that's going to help, you can stand on the truth that Jesus Christ is your help in time of need. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Would you stand with me this morning? I don't know if you're here and you've undergone some type of persecution. But more than likely, if there's anything that any of us are contending with, it's that whole idea that, man, yeah, I'm wearing the Christian t-shirt, but I'm entangled in this world. And might I invite you today to make a decision that says I'm all in for Jesus Christ? Might I dare you to trust him that his blessing far outweighs anything that the world could give you? And might I invite you today to surrender completely surrendered to him. And let's watch and see what he does. I'm excited to hear the testimony of what God does in a surrendered life. And he'll do it. He surely will do it. If you're going to pray with people, would you come forward? This God is not too far. If you belong to the kingdom of God, you know that you have access to this king. And if, and if you need a touch from this God for any reason at all, come today. Don't walk out the same way you came. Let today be a new day. Let's worship.